What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 122, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, November 7th, 2020, headlined by Glover Teixeira versus Tiago Santos. This 11-fight card will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last week, I did predict 9 out of 11 fights correctly on the podcast, but sadly lost an official track bets. I did lose 3.5 units on my Bet MMA Tips page, but I'm still up around 36 units for the year of 2020 and look to get back on track with a win this weekend. Although, to be honest, this card does not have many betting spots. I do have a few locked-in bets already, but there is not much I like on this card, but I will still give you my opinion on all 11 fights and their betting lines and which lines in each fight have value in my opinion. So we're going to start things off. In the bantamweight division, we have Anthony Burchak taking on Gustavo Lopez. The opening betting line for this one was Burchak minus 155 to Lopez plus 125. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Lopez minus 117 to Burchak minus 103. More action coming in on the underdog Gustavo Lopez, actually flipping the line. Now Lopez is a favorite, and I understand that action. He is the one who was training for a UFC fight. He was supposed to be on this card against Colaris, but once Colaris fell out, Burchak came in uh, in the late replacement, and I think that's why you see that action coming back in on Lopez. Not because I think Lopez is the better fighter. I actually think that Burchak has the better overall MMA skills, but I think that he could be catching Burchak at a good time here. Burchak's coming in on short notice. He hasn't fought in a little over a year. He's getting up there in years. He's 34 years old, not very young for a bantamweight at all. And there are just a lot of red flags about Burchak's fighting style, in my opinion. He doesn't have the greatest striking defense, and he liked striking a lot early on in his career. He was getting in a lot of wars where he was either knocking guys out or getting knocked out of himself, and I think he kind of changed his strategy a little bit to fight more of a grappling-heavy style. He does come from a wrestling background, and he's been going for a lot more takedowns and getting submissions in his recent fights. Burchak definitely has some weaknesses in terms of his own takedown defense. He doesn't do well stuffing takedowns, and once he gets put on his back, he kind of is content to play guard and to stay on his back and try to land ground and pound or go for submissions instead of getting back up to his feet, which is never something you want to see. And in the most recent fights where Burchak has gone into round three, he looked pretty tired and gassed out in round three and lost both of those rounds over in Ryzen just a few years ago. So if Burchak was struggling with his cardio in fights where he actually had a camp to prepare for, then I think that it's very likely that he does slow down here as the fight goes on and is pretty gassed out by round three. So that's why I think it's kind of hard to bet Burchak here because there are a lot of weaknesses in his game. But on the other side here, I don't really like what I see from Lopez either. He only has one fight in the UFC where he was largely dominated by Mirab Devalashvili, was taken down and spent a lot of time on his back in that fight. And if you watch Lopez's pre-UFC fights, you really start to see what I'm talking about when I say that he has bad defensive striking. He just kind of walks forward at his opponents without much defense at all and kind of relies on his chin and relies on him landing more strikes than you. And I just don't think that's a good strategy at all. So both these guys have a lot of flaws in my opinion. Lopez doesn't have good striking, very poor defense on the feet, doesn't have great takedown defense either, and we saw him get stuck on his back a lot versus Mirab Devalashvili, and I also don't think that Lopez has really beaten anybody that good. And Burchak, on the other hand, he's coming in short notice, he's coming off of a decent layoff, and he's getting towards the end of his career. He has his own weaknesses in terms of takedown defense and striking defense and cardio issues as well. 
So both these guys have too many weaknesses, in my opinion, for me to bet this fight. When doing tape, I was leaning Burchak. I still think I'm going to pick Anthony Burchak to win just because I do think he is the more well-rounded and skilled fighter. I think he wins a 29-28 decision here, maybe picking up the first two rounds. But it's not a confident pick at all because of all the reasons I mentioned, there's not a lot of reasons to bet this fight, in my opinion. Uh, too many unknowns and too many variables here. So the pick is Burchak decision, but it's a pass in terms of money line. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Max Griffin taking on Ramiz Brahima. The opening betting line for this one was Griffin minus 195 to Brahima plus 160. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Griffin minus 139 to Brahima plus 119 more action coming in on the dog Brahima and I think I agree with that action Brahima is making his UFC debut here he's an orthodox fighter coming out of Fortis MMA very muscular and aggressive fighter and I don't really like what I've seen from him on tape he comes out extremely aggressive in round one of pretty much all of his fights and looks for a big takedown or looks like a quick knockout and he does get some submissions. He does get a big takedown and maybe get a quick rear naked choke on some of his opponents. But I'm not really impressed with his grappling. I think he's a pretty raw fighter relying on his athleticism. He definitely slows down later in the fights. He doesn't have good striking defense. I just see Brahima as a good athlete who just doesn't really have the necessary skills to be a complete well-rounded fighter yet. And that's kind of a problem with a lot of Fortis MMA fighters. But I will say that Brahima is getting a, a decent matchup here, a winnable fight versus Max Griffin. Griffin has been struggling lately. He is 1-4 in his past five fights. A lot of close decisions, a few split decisions, and his one win is a majority decision. So he only won that fight by a very small margin. Griffin is a solid fighter everywhere. He just doesn't really exceed in one particular area. I would say his best aspect of MMA is his offensive takedowns. He actually has hit 14 offensive takedowns in his past four fights. So that's a very relevant statistic for this fight. Griffin does shoot a high amount of takedowns. And late in this fight, when Brahima is starting to slow down, those Griffin takedowns are going to be big. Because I think that once Griffin hits a takedown and puts Brahima on his back, Brahima will likely be so tired that he cannot stand up from those takedowns. And Griffin does doesn't really have much of a top game. He's more of a lay and pray type of guy where he hits the takedown, doesn't land much ground and pound or go for submissions. He just stays on top and wins rounds, which is a decent style for this round for this type of fight because I think the rounds will be close. They will be competitive on the feet. They will be competitive grappling exchanges. But if Max Griffin is able to get a takedown and get some top control to, to confirm those rounds, I think that will go a long way in getting him this decision. In terms of a pre-fight money line bet in this fight, I do think that Brahima is the side to be on. Considering how aggressive he comes out in round one, I think he either comes out to an early lead in round one or possibly gets that round one finish like he does get in a lot of his fights. If you're looking to bet Max Griffin here, I would suggest that you wait and try to do it as a live bet. Maybe halfway through round one, at the end of round one, look to live bet Max Griffin because I do think he's the more experienced fighter, the more well-rounded fighter. Likely has the better cardio out of the two as well. So if he is able to survive that early storm from Brahima, he likely does take over with his experience, with his cardio, and probably hits some takedowns and wins round two and three with some lay and prey and just minimal activity being the more fresher fighter. So I'm going to pick Max Griffin to edge an ugly decision here. I think he wins round two and three for a 29-28 decision. Not the most confident pick though because I do think that Max Griffin is towards the end of his career. Brahima is very athletic and he could surprise me and come in here and get a quick finish. Uh, but what I've seen from Brahima, I'm just not ready to think that he is uh, ready to pass this test in Griffin yet. So it's a close ugly fight. No bets pre-fight for me. I think Brahima plus money is the side to be on and look to live bet Max Griffin. 
The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Darren Elkins taking on Luis Garagori. The opening betting line for this one was Elkins minus 225 to Garagori plus 190. Right now we are seeing Elkins minus 255 to Garagori plus 215. More action coming in on the favorite, Darren Elkins in this one, and I understand that action. He is the much more well-rounded fighter, the much more proven fighter, but in my opinion, he is a little bit too far past his prime and just hasn't looked good enough lately for me to be betting him at minus 200 here or higher. Now, I'm not saying that there is value on Luis Garagori because I don't think there is. I think that where the line is at now makes this fight a pass. But I do think Darren Elkins wins the fight pretty comfortably. I just see him being the much better fighter everywhere here, the better striker and the better grappler. I believe Elkins has the much more consistent and effective offense. He has the better boxing of the two. While Garagori doesn't really land too many head strikes in terms of punches, he doesn't have his own good boxing defense. And most of Garagori's offensive striking is relied around his kicks. He does have a decent left body kick. But I have not seen anything from Garagori to think that he can beat Darren Elkins here. Most of the fighters that he's outstruck and beaten were just low-level fighters, and I don't think that really carries much stock into this fight here versus Elkins, who is probably one of the better fighters he's ever fought. I should also mention that Garagori's defensive grappling is not very good. We have seen him taken down and struggle with wrestlers a lot in his career. Even guys who aren't really known for their takedowns like Humberto Bandene or Ricardo Ramos were able to take him down and Ramos was able to submit him with a rear naked choke pretty easily. Bandene wasn't able to get many dominant positions, but the fact that Bandene, a pretty low-level striker, was able to take Garagori down, I definitely think that Elkins, who comes from a wrestling background, who trains out of a very grappling-heavy camp, and who has hit takedowns and outgrappled a lot of UFC opponents, I'm pretty confident that Elkins will be able to hit takedowns, keep Garagori down, and possibly even submit Garagori somewhere along the line on the floor. So I just give Elkins an advantage everywhere here. I think he's the better striker. I think the, the striking could be competitive because Garagori does throw combinations. He is aggressive at times, and Elkins is definitely on the decline. He's very hittable lately, just does not seem to have ability to avoid a lot of the strikes coming at him. So if Garagori can keep the fight standing, he could make this competitive and possibly even win. But I think if the fight isn't going Elkins' way on the feet, we can rely on him to level change, hit takedowns, and start out grappling Garagori here. So I think Elkins is a pretty pretty safe pick here. Wouldn't be laying the minus 200 on him just because he's so late into his career and he's on a four fight losing streak. He's just not reliable to come out here and dominate like he should, but the pick is Darren Elkins to win a pretty decisive decision. I could even see him uh, getting a submission somewhere along the line, but the official prediction will be Darren Elkins' decision. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Alexander Romanov taking on Marcos Hogirio de Lima. The opening betting line for this one was Romanov minus 300 to Lima plus 250. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Romanov minus 450 to Lima plus 350. More action coming in on the favorite Romanov, and I'm going to disagree with the action. I think that where the opening line was set was about appropriate, but where it's at now, it's definitely dog or pass. There's a pretty considerable amount of value on Lima, but... I'm going to tell you why I don't think you should bet DeLima right now, and this is actually a fight that was booked before a few months ago, and we got to see Romanov make his UFC debut against Roque Martinez. He dominated him, and now I think a lot of people's opinions are changing on this fight. And you can include me in that category of people who have changed their mind. I think the first time around, I was actually picking DeLima. I was thinking that he was going to stuff the takedown, stand up from the takedowns, outstrike Romanov, but... 
After seeing Romanov against Martinez, I just have a hard time believing that Zalima will stop that early takedown. Romanov is just so athletic and aggressive. He shoots early takedowns. He has big slams and suplexes. Very fun fighter to watch in the first round. But Romanov does have a lot of weaknesses. We've seen him slow down pretty heavily later in the fights considering how aggressive he usually starts. I think that Romanov's ground and pound could be a lot better. It's kind of weak pitter-patter shots when he could put a lot more force in his punches. He sometimes goes for poor submissions like scarf holds or forearm chokes or something. And his striking is just pretty raw, I would say. He has a decent left body kick, but he has not really been tested in terms of striking. And I do think that Delima is the better striker. But this fight really comes down to, can Delima stop the takedowns of Romanov? And I do not think that he does. I think that in round one, Romanov is so aggressive and so athletic that unless Lima knocks him out on the way in in the first 30 seconds, that I don't see any way that Romanov doesn't take him down in round one. So that's why I think you should hold off on betting Lima here because he's plus 350 now. Sure, that seems appealing, but during round one, after round one, he might be plus five, six, seven hundred, and you might be getting a lot better value on Delima. Considering I do think Romanov takes Lima down in round one, the next question becomes, do I think Lima is able to withstand that top game? Is he going to be able to stand up, get off of his back, make it later into the fight where he can use his striking advantage, use his possible cardio advantage to outstrike Romanov's stuff takedowns and possibly knock him out later in the fight? And originally, I was picking Lima to do that. I was picking him to withstand that early storm, but now I don't think he does. I think that Romanov's top game is just going to be too heavy. He's going to be landing ground and pound. He's going to go, be going for submission attempts. And if we had seen Delima come back from adversity before, we've seen him escape bottom and come back and win the fight late on attrition, I would be picking Lima here. But we just haven't seen him do that. I think that he's really going to struggle with the top position. And I could see Lima wilting a little bit, maybe quitting from that top pressure of Romanov. We saw in Romanov's debut against Martinez. Martinez was very tough in that fight. You could see that he wasn't quitting. You could see that he was really trying hard to get back up to his feet. Even when he was getting smashed with ground and pound, he wasn't really looking for a way out. And I don't know if we can rely on that with Delima here, who is a guy who was winning round one versus Stefan Struve, dominated round one. And then next thing you know, round two, he gets taken down and submitted right away in the next round. So Stuff like that just makes me think that Delima likely wilts under the pressure of Romanov here. So the pick for me is going to be Romanov to get a finish in round two. I think it's likely going to be a submission finish because his ground and pound just really isn't hard enough uh, to get a finish. I mean, it obviously could happen when he's uh, unloading with strikes, but I think that the submission is more likely. So the pick here is going to be Romanov submission round two. And if you're looking to bet to Lima here, I would just take the knockout prop pre-fight or look to live bet Lima midway or after round one. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Trevin Giles taking on Bivon Lewis. The opening betting line for this one was Giles minus 115 to Lewis minus 105. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Lewis minus 120 to Giles plus 100. There is two-way action coming in on this fight, a little bit more on Lewis's side. That's why he is the slight favorite right now, but very competitive fight between these two. I'll start things off with my thoughts on Trevin Giles. 
He's a bit of a confusing fighter. He's primarily a boxer. Most of his offense is just throwing hands with the occasional leg kick. And he did shoot a decent amount of takedowns in his early UFC fights, but we haven't really seen that wrestling ability from him in his past few fights. And Giles has just really struggled with keeping a 15-minute performance up. We've seen him win fights early. He was beating Zach Cummins. He was doing well versus Gerald Mearshart. And then in round three of both of those fights, he ended up getting caught. He got dropped with a punch versus Cummins, then submitted, and he was caught in a dumb grappling transition versus Mearshart and got choked out cold in that fight. Giles' most recent fight was against James Krause, and Krause took that fight on like two days' notice. He moved up a weight class, didn't have a camp, and still gave Giles a very tough fight. Giles was taken down in round one, had his back taken for several minutes, but was able to escape with about 30 seconds left in the round, land some good ground and pound, and likely steal the round back. And by round two, Krause was exhausted. The commentators were noting how tired he looked, but Giles just wasn't really making him pay for that. He wasn't pouring it on. He was outstriking Krause in round two. It was likely up two rounds to zero going into round three. But in round three, Giles was actually outstruck by Kraus. And even though Kraus was looking real tired, even though he came in on short notice, he was a weight class below, he actually outstruck Giles and made that fight really close. And Giles snuck out a split decision against Kraus. That's not a good sign from Giles, in my opinion. And even though Bivon Lewis hasn't looked great in his UFC career, I am favoring him in this fight because I think that Bivon is the more diverse striker. I think he mixes it up a lot better with his kicks, his knees, his elbows. He mixes in his clinch a lot. You'll see Bivon Lewis strike a distance for a little bit, and then he'll mix in his clinch very periodically. So I think that Lewis will be mixing it up a little bit better on the feet. He will be landing better kicks. He will be working in his clinch game, landing some clinch strikes. And that's the way I see Bivon winning this fight, by just mixing up his striking more, being a more diverse threat on the feet instead of just primarily boxing like Giles. So unless Giles is able to hurt Bivon with a punch or maybe get his offensive wrestling game going, I see Giles struggling a lot in this fight with the range, with the athleticism, and the striking of Bivon Lewis here. So the pick for me is going to be Bivon Lewis by decision here. I could see a late round three TKO because that is where Giles starts to fall apart and he starts to gas out a lot in his fights in round three. So the round three finish is possible, but my official pick is going to be Bivon Lewis by decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Giga Chikadze taking on Jamie Simmons. The opening betting line for this one was Chikadze minus 485 to Simmons plus 350. Right now we are seeing Giga minus 900 to Simmons plus 600. So as the line indicates, this fight is a mismatch, a very short notice fight that they're just throwing together here, just throwing Simmons to the Wolves. It serves no real purpose in my opinion. Doing tape on Simmons, he's a very low level fighter. He fights with a lot of nervous energy. He comes out extremely aggressive and uncoordinated often. Simmons has hit takedowns and outgrappled people, but those were also low-level opponents, not even close to the level of Giga. And I think that Giga is improving his takedown defense enough to deal with Simmons pretty easily here. So the question remains is just how Giga will win this fight. Will it be my knockout or will Simmons be tough enough to make it to a decision? I lean with knockout. I just think that he will be landing so clean. Simmons will be shooting desperate shots. They just will not be landing. And I think that Giga eventually finds home for a knockout shot. Um, uh, it likely gets ugly here, so this is a pretty terrible fight in my opinion. Um, if you want to bet this fight, go Giga inside the distance or something like that. I don't even know what the lines are at right now, but I'd probably just advise to pass this fight and move on. So the pick is Giga by round two knockout. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Claudia Gedalia taking on Yan Shannon. 
The opening betting line for this one was Gedalia minus 132 yen plus 110. Right now we are seeing yen minus 155 to Gedalia plus 135. So the line has flipped. Yan Shannon is now the favorite. And I understand why she's coming off of two good wins. One, a close fight versus Angela Hill. And one, a dominant performance over Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Yan is a very fun fighter to watch. She's got a very powerful striking style. She throws a lot of hard kicks, very hard punches. And she's very accurate with her strikes as well. The only area of MMA where Jan has really clearly struggled is the takedown defense. Sometimes she doesn't have great footwork either and kind of gets herself off balance and gets herself stuck against the cage where her opponents are able to take her down. Kaylin Curran had some success with takedowns, was able to hold her against the cage, was able to get some pretty good positions on Yan Shannon. Now that was a few years ago. But I do think that if Claudia Gedalia is able to put Yan in similar positions that Claudia will take her down, will keep top position, and could possibly even win rounds or maybe even submit Yan along the way. If Gedalia wants to win this fight, I do think that she does need to hit takedowns. I do think she is the better grappler of the two. I think Yan is the better striker of the two. Yan will have a pretty significant speed and power advantage on the feet. In Gedalia's last fight against Angela Hill, she was actually dropped in round two with a punch from Hill. She was getting outstruck, in my opinion, in round three, even though the judges gave her that round. So I definitely think that if the fight stays standing and they are striking with one another, we will see Yan landing much cleaner and likely hurting Gedalia with punches, possibly even landing to a late knockout if we see Gedalia look really exhausted or something. And that is another factor you always have to consider in Claudia Gedalia fights. She does not have good cardio. When she shoots takedowns and gets her grappling going, it tends to use her cardio quicker. And she can't really sustain a three-round grappling performance. We've seen multiple fights where she hit a takedown in round one or round two. And is just not able to keep that going throughout the fight and then loses the fight late. That's how the Nina Ansaroff fight went. And that's how the Angela Hill fight went. Even though, once again, the judges didn't officially give Hill that decision. I think it's very likely that this fight follows a very similar path where we might see Claudia Gedalia get a takedown and win round one, but she's going to slow down. Yan will start to stuff the takedowns in rounds two and three and will start to outstrike Gedalia very clean and possibly even leading to a late knockout. So if you want to throw some stabs on Yan round two, round three knockout, I think those are good props to stab at because I think it's a very real possibility that we see Yan pour on the pressure, start landing hard strikes, and when Gedalia is real tired in round three, like she typically is, we could see that TKO. So I definitely have bets on Yan round three TKO. Some other props you can stab on this fight is Claudia Gedalia submission round one or submission round two. I think that if Gedalia does submit Yan here, it's overwhelmingly going to be in round one or two. She just does not have the energy to submit her opponents late in the fight. So if you want to bet Gedalia submission, I would advise taking the round one or two props. In terms of a pre-fight money line bet, I do think it is dog or pass. I don't think you can be laying the minus 150 on Yan Shannon here, considering we do not know how her takedown defense will hold up in round one. And maybe I'm completely wrong and Yan Shannon starts stuffing takedowns, starts outboxing Gedalia and gets out to an early lead and maybe dominates Gedalia throughout this entire fight. I could be completely wrong, but from the way I see it, I do think it is likely that Gedalia gets the takedown in round one, likely wins round one, but does not get a submission, starts to slow down in rounds two and three. Yan starts to stuff takedowns and starts to outstrike Gedalia late. So ultimately, I'm going to pick Yan Shannon by decision. I think she wins a 29-28 decision here. 
No bets in terms of money line for me yet, but I do have some prop bets, as I mentioned, round one, round two, college submission, or round two, round three, knockout for Yan. Likely won't track any of those. They're more just fun prop bets that I like for this fight, but I do think that there is a value on them, and I think that pre-fight money line, there's some value on Kedalia if you want to take that as well. Ultimately, I am picking Yan Shannon by decision. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Brendan Allen taking on Ian Heinish. The opening betting line for this one was a minus 110 pick'em on both sides. And looking over on Bet Online, we are still seeing a minus 110 pick'em on both sides. The early action in this fight actually came in on Brendan Allen. Heinish was sitting at about a plus 120 dog for a few days, but people gobbled up that plus money and it is now a pick'em. I understand why people came in on Heinish because he does have good takedown defense. He does do well in takedown defense type of fights like the Cesar Ferreira fight, the Antonio Carlos Jr. fight. I will note that Heinish's takedown defense, his defensive grappling in those two fights looked phenomenal. It made me a big fan of him. But to be honest, I was a bit disappointed with his performances against Brunson and against Akhmedov. It kind of made me realize that Heinish isn't a great distance striker and more thrives in those takedown defense type of situation fights. But good for Heinish that this is another one of those fights against Brendan Allen, who is primarily a grappler, who doesn't have great striking of his own right, and is almost always looking for that offensive takedown and to get you down to the floor. Allen does have a very good top game. He's got heavy ground and pound, very good control and submissions on the ground. But his wrestling is actually pretty unproven. Most of his fights in the UFC have been grappling type of fights, and he has won a lot of the fights by finish on the ground. But he actually hasn't secured that many of his own takedowns in his UFC fights. So from a matchup perspective, I think this is actually a very good fight for Ian Heinish. It's a guy who is going to try to take him down. Ian Heinish has good takedown defense, has great ability to get up off of his back once he gets taken down. I understand why those people came in on Heinish at plus money. I do think those are probably good bets, but I have a suspicion that Brendan Allen will come out to an early lead. He will get a takedown in round one, and I think Heinish has a great chance at standing up from that takedown and to win the fight late, but I think you'll get a better price on Ian Heinish in terms of a live bet than you will now at minus 110. So at the minus 110 pick'em price, I think the value is on Brendan Allen because I think he is likely to hit a takedown and to get his grappling going in round one. But after the first takedown, I think each takedown will get progressively more difficult to get for Brendan Allen as this fight goes on. So I see the fight being a lot closer the later it goes, but early on I favor Brendan Allen. And I think in terms of an official prediction, I'm actually going to pick Brendan Allen to win a decision. I think he gets takedowns and does enough with his top position to win rounds 1 and 2. Round 3 I think will be very competitive. I think Heinish likely stuffs the takedowns and wins that round. Going into this fight, I was thinking I was going to predict Ian Heinish here, but I just do not think he lands enough strikes. I don't think he's going to make the striking exchanges count for enough to confidently pick him here against Allen. I just think that once Allen gets the fight to the four, he will be clearly winning. While I can't say that the same about Ian Heinish, I think the fight could be standing and could be competitive just due to Heinish's lack of activity, lack of pressure at times. So it's a good matchup for Ian Heinish, very good matchup for him, but I still think I'm going to go with the, the youth, the athletic fighter here uh, to hit the takedowns, to outgrapple him early, and to win a decision. So the pick is going to be Brendan Allen by decision. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Khalid Taha taking on Hayoni Barcelos. The opening betting line for this one was Barcelos minus 325 to Taha plus 250. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing... Barcelos minus 365 to Taha plus 290. 
So even though Barcelos is coming in here on short notice to replace Taha's last opponent, Barcelos is now the massive favorite and still getting bet as a massive favorite. So you can tell that the public is pretty high on Hyoni Barcelos. When re-watching some of Barcelos' fights this week, I was a bit underwhelmed with what I saw. I think his striking is not as good as it could be. He doesn't really have a very consistent offense. He doesn't really throw his lead hand that much. I think if he developed a jab, he would be a much more effective fighter. When I'm watching Barcelos strike, it seems like he's a bit confused at times at range. When his opponents are standing uh, far away from him at kicking range like Saeed Nurmagomedov was doing, he tends to struggle with those opponents a lot and doesn't really know how to get inside on them. So in this fight, I think the striking will actually be pretty competitive between the two. I think that Taha's boxing could present some problems for uh, Barcelos here on the feet. So I give Barcelos a slight striking advantage, but I definitely think the fight will be very competitive on the feet. Where the fight really favors Barcelos, though, is the grappling. Barcelos is the much better grappler. He shoots a pretty high amount of offensive takedowns. And once he gets you down to the floor, he has hard ground and pound. He's got very good top control. He attacks submissions like rear naked chokes and arm triangles. And that's a great sign for Barcelos because Taha has been taken down in the past. He was taken down and controlled on the ground versus Bruno Silva in his last fight. And I definitely think that a good grappler like Barcelos has the chance to submit Taha on the floor here. Taha gets up very recklessly. He either gives his back for a back take or gives up his, uh, his neck for a front choke when he's standing up a lot of the time. So Barcelos is going to be very live for a submission here. I actually have a bet tracked on Barcelos' submission half a unit uh, plus 400 odds. So unless Barcelos gets this fight to the floor, though, I think it will be very competitive. So I would definitely advise it's dog or pass. Do not lay the minus 300 or so on Barcelos. He's coming in on short notice. And I think this fight will be competitive while it's on the feet. And Barcelos only likely looks minus 300, minus 400 if he starts grappling. And I do think he does hit takedowns, but he's just not very reliable to shoot a high amount of takedowns. So definitely pass on Barcelos at minus 300 or higher. It is dog or pass at those odds. But ultimately, I am picking Hyuni Barcelos. Even though I bet submission i think an official prediction i'm going to go with is decision hyoni barcelos decision as the official prediction but i think the submission is very live here the next fight takes place in the heavyweight division we have andre arlovsky taking on tanner bosser the opening betting line for this one was bosser the favorite at minus 260 to arlovsky plus 220 underdog Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Bosser minus 305 to Arlovsky plus 255. More action coming in on the favorite Tanner Bosser in this one, and I disagree with the action. I think that even where the opening line was set, it might have been a little bit too wide in the favor of Tanner Bosser. I think there's some massive recency bias going into this line. I think that because Tanner Bosser is coming off of two back-to-back -back knockouts in a row, he's getting a bit overvalued here. And considering that Bosser's best win is Felipe Linz, an opponent that Arlovski has also beat, I don't understand why this line is so in favor of Bosser. I think this fight will be a 15-minute kickboxing match. I don't see a knockout being likely on either side, although... Bosser is definitely the more likely to knock Arlovsky out. Arlovsky doesn't have the greatest chin, although he has only been knocked out in one of his past like 12 fights at heavyweight. Most of them have gone the distance. So Arlovsky's chin is not terrible, but I definitely think that Bosser is the more likely to land a knockout if one does score a finish here. 
But the most likely outcome, I think, is just a competitive 15-minute kickboxing match between the two of them. They both put up solid volume. They both throw a lot of leg kicks, good punches, good boxers. And I think this will be a fun competitive fight. I like both these guys a lot for being heavyweights. And I think this will be eventually a close decision that Tanner Bosser does win. But the odds on uh, the over 2.5, the odds on the goes the distance, even the odds on Arlovsky money line are pretty good. I think at plus 255, Arlovsky is a must bet for at least a half a unit minimum here because I just think that line's way off. I think that Bosser deserves maybe 60% at most in this fight. Uh, so maybe even go a little heavier than a half a unit on Arlovsky because I do think this line is about 10, 12% off. I think it's way too heavily in favor of Tanner Bosser. He's just not quite proven enough to think that he can outstrike a guy like Arlovsky, who I think is a much better and uh, difficult stylistic matchup than Bosser's past few wins. So ultimately, I'm going to pick Tanner Bosser to win a decision here, but I like Arlovsky's chances. I think he makes this competitive and might even win a close decision here. The next fight is the main event of the card. In the light heavyweight division, we have Tiago Santos taking on Glover Teixeira. The opening betting line for this one was Santos minus 222, Teixeira plus 185. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Santos minus 235 to Teixeira plus 200. More action coming in on the favorite Tiago Santos in this one, although there is definitely two-way action coming in on this fight. Right off the bat, I will say that I think this line is wide, and I think that there is value on Glover to share it at this price. To start things off, we have Tiago Santos coming off of a little over a year layoff, and he's also coming off of major reconstructive knee surgery. I think he tore his MCL, ACL. He tore a lot of stuff in his knee in the John Jones fight and got major surgery on his knee since then and has not fought since. So that alone has got to be in the back of your mind. And then you also got to realize that Tiago Santos doesn't have good takedown defense. He's been taken down and submitted by his opponents before. He actually got taken down by Eric Anders several times in their fight. And Anders really isn't a wrestler and was able to take down Santos, was able to take his back, was able to put Santos in a lot of bad spots, even when he was really gassed out in that fight. So that's a huge red flag as well from Tiago Santos, his knee injury, his defensive grappling, and then you really are kind of relying on Tiago Santos to just nuke Glover Teixeira on the feet for him to be the better striker, for him to land a crazy hard knockout blow and just put Glover Teixeira out. But to be honest, I'm not even convinced that Tiago Santos is the better striker than Glover Teixeira. Don't forget that Glover Teixeira is a very tricky fighter on the feet. He's got solid boxing, hard punches, and even though we saw him get outstruck versus Anthony Smith early on in his most recent fight, he was able to withstand that early storm. He looked durable. He didn't look discouraged from taking any big shots. Then was able to drop Smith with a punch at the end of round two and really dominate Smith for the last few rounds before the ref finally stopped that fight. And to be honest, in that fight, I was predicting that Glover would start fast and then fade late, but actually the opposite happened. He started slow and he picked up steam late and was able to win the fight as the fight went on. So that just really proves to you how much of a veteran Glover Teixeira is. He can withstand early damage and then come back and win. He's been doing that a lot lately versus Roberson versus Kudalaba and most recently versus Smith. 
So I think this fight really relies on Glover to share his game plan for this fight because if he stays standing and he gives a striking fight to Tiago Santos, his chances of losing increase significantly. But if he decides to attack wrestling, he decides to go for offensive takedowns and looks to exploit that bad takedown defense, that bad ground game of Tiago Santos, his chances of winning increase exponentially. So it really depends on what approach Glover has here. I think that no matter what, even if he starts getting hit with strikes in the feet, I think that he will start to close the distance and look to get takedowns. I think Glover is a very smart fighter. He knows what he has to do to win, and I think that he will likely look to exploit the, the takedown defense of Santos here. And just a quick side note, it's funny how quick stuff changes in MMA because I've been a big Tiago Santos fan. I've been picking him in his past few fights. I actually picked him against John Jones. And even though I picked him to win by knockout, I actually thought that John jo or the Tiago Santos won that fight via decision. I did give him rounds one, two, and five and think that Tiago Santos did enough to win that decision uh, versus John Jones. Uh, and here we go now. I'm picking against him. I think I'm going to go with Glover Teixeira to withstand that early striking storm to find the takedowns and to start to out grapple and eventually finish Tiago Santos on the ground here. I just wanted to point that out real quick because it is funny how quickly stuff changes in MMA. You might pick a guy to win a fight one month, then you might pick against him one, the other month. It's not personal. You just got to be objective. You can't be biased. You can't have favorite fighters in this because when you're analyzing fights, when you're betting fights, you can't have favorite fighters and you got to take everything uh, objectively. So I think that Tiago Santos struggles finding the knockout here. I think that Glover is durable enough to withstand that early storm, to find a takedown, to get his offensive grappling going, and eventually finishes Tiago Santos in rounds two or three on the mat here. So the pick for me, let's go with Glover Teixeira by round three submission as my official prediction. And I likely will be locking in some action on Glover Teixeira at the plus 200 money line. I think the Glover money line and the Glover submission prop has some value here. And I'm going to be picking Glover Teixeira to win. So that is going to do it for this podcast. I analyzed, predicted, and discussed the betting lines for all 11 fights going down tomorrow night in the UFC's card. You can find all my official track bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, which is in my Twitter description, the YouTube description of this video, and that's where I track all my official bets. Even though I have lost two weeks in a row, I still am up around 36 units for the year 2020 and hope to get back on track in a profitable week this week. Don't have too many bets for this week. The over in the Tanner Bosser Arlovsky fight submission Hyuni Barcelos and we'll likely lock in some Glover to share a money line action but it's definitely gonna be a light week in terms of official bets for me so hope you all enjoy the card this weekend hope you all win some bets and I will see you before the next UFC event peace